In times like these, the gentle flickering of a candle can help you feel at ease. And if that candle also has a delightful fragrance, well, that could lift your spirits to a whole nother level. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Coming up in just a moment, we'll talk with a Bronx native who's fanning the flames of a successful candle-making business. And later, taking wax to a different extreme, we'll check in with the folks at Madame Tussauds. It's a museum that allows our guests to meet their favorite A-list celebrities in an immersive and authentic environment that's really true to the character of that celebrity. Our first guest is Paige Graham. She's the owner of Paige's Candle Company, which creates handmade candles made with vegan soy wax and handcrafted fragrance blends created in Brooklyn and Queens. Some of her scents are even inspired by the Big Apple. Paige, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you so much for having me. So how did you get into the candle making business? Wow. So when I was in my early 20s, I knew that I've always wanted a business and I knew that I wanted to be in the creative field. And it was literally just like, hmm, I really like candles. Let me just try making one. And then the rest is history. So how do you just try making a candle? Well, luckily, uh, we're in the internet era, so I had <laughs> uh, the ability to research uh, how to do so. At the time, ironically, there weren't a lot of YouTube videos that I could get uh, full instruction, so there was an extensive experimentation process. It actually took me eight months to create my first candle. <laughs> and this was about 11 years ago. So now there are more detailed videos, but it was literally just researching online and uh, buying books about how to run a business. What was that first candle that you made? It was a blueberry cobbler candle. And it's, it's so funny because I released uh, I re-released it, I should say, uh, during this holiday season. But yeah, that, it, it caused me a lot of grief, a lot of tears, a lot of work in the kitchen, but I did master it, so. Blueberry cobbler, a favorite dessert of yours? No, it was just a, a fragrance blend that I came up with. And it, it, was a, it was a creation with other aromas as well, but that was the one that was successful, that burned properly. There's a, a, a lot of... Uh, what I like to refer to as chemistry, um, how large the flame is, if it's burning properly. So that was the first candle that was successful in candle terms. I want to talk more about the process for making a candle, but let's get into your background a little bit. You are a born and raised New Yorker, right? I am originally from the Bronx. Where in the Bronx are you from? Soundview and Morrison. It's on the six train line. Not far from where WFUV is located at Fordham University. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I lived uh, all over the Bronx, but th that area is where I was raised, essentially. Did you grow up with a love of arts and crafts? I did. So I grew up in a very low-income environment, um, and I was raised with not a lot of things, but my father was very resourceful and he made sure to place me into art programs, and that has really... Uh, made an impact of my interest today as a craftswoman. Talk to me more about that. What did you learn along the way that got you to where you are today? The programs that I would attend were in the nonprofit organizations like the Bronx River Art Center and The Point. And it was amazing because especially for someone in a low income family, we couldn't afford much. And so these programs were free. So I had 
extensive experience in photography, ceramics, painting, and even museum, tri museum trips to the city on the weekends. So it just opened up a world for me to explore. Really speaks to the importance of those nonprofits, right? And their impact in low-income communities. 110%. And that's why with my company, it's a mission of mine to give back as much as possible because if I didn't have those programs, I don't even know where I would be today, honestly. So it was a godsend for sure. A portion of your sales now go to City Harvest, right? Absolutely, yes. So before the pandemic, I was donating candle making workshops to nonprofit organizations, but because of social distancing restrictions, of course, that's limited at this time. So I did the next best thing that resonated with me, and I donate a portion of all sales to City Harvest. And City Harvest is amazing because they provide food for hungry New Yorkers in need. They also provide food to pantries, so it's on a real large scale. How has COVID-19 impacted your business specifically? Well, there are no more craft markets. Uh, I usually sell at various local events, of course, that has stopped. My workshops have stopped, and that at first was a major blow, but luckily with my online community, especially with social networks, I have been doing fairly well in the sense that I'm able to keep my studio and my team because of online sales. But of course, it's been a major hit because I can't sell outside or teach classes and donate classes, most importantly, to these nonprofit organizations. Do you find, though, that people are buying more candles because they're spending more time at home? And let's face it, a scent a really nice smell can make us feel better. Absolutely, for sure. In general, the home decor industry has been doing well, um, but that is one aspect of the business, which of course I'm grateful that's doing well, but the other aspect, the other um, areas that I have in my company have suffered. So it's, it's kind of like a catch-22 in a sense. <laughs> what was it like for you to start up this business? It it was definitely, it was a challenge, but it has been super rewarding. I love creating, candle making is kind of like cooking. You're mixing different oils to have this creation and when it works, it's amazing. So uh, learning the back end of business was a struggle, of course, but you don't know until you try. So it's been, it's been good. <laughs> What would you say have been among your biggest challenges? What was involved in those struggles? The major challenge, honestly, was with candle making because I wasn't an apprentice. I had no idea what I was doing. Figuring out measurements and weighing oils and determining sizes of wicks, that was the most frustrating. Everything else, honestly, although it can be challenging, it's more accessible in learning because there's so many books out there that can teach me systems and forms when it comes to business. But again, at the time that I started candle making, it, it's like someone saying, hey, uh, make a pot roast. And you're like, okay, how do I do it? Figure it out. Oh, so <laughs> that, that, that was the most challenging. <laughs> so let's dive into the process. What is involved in candle making? So I work with vegan soy wax. Uh, the popular wax or the most used wax in the market is paraffin. It's basically paraffin is made of plant and animal material as opposed to vegan soy, which is made of soybeans, uh, essentially hydrogenated 
oil from the soybeans. So soy hasn't been around as long as paraffin. So I use soy wax. The reason why is because it burns cleaner. With paraffin wax, you get a lot of soot along the jar. With soy, there's hardly any. And I blend uh, phthalate-free fragrance oils and essential oils. And that's basically simplifying it. It sounds easy, but of course there's measurements involved that make it a little bit more complicated, a lot of math. But it's essentially melting wax and adding a fragrance blend of oils, mixing it and pouring it into a jar, essentially. And then with soy, rather than burning the candle right away, I have to allow it to cure for seven days. And curing is basically allowing for the oils to adhere to the wax so that it's potent, kind of like when you're marinating meat or vegetables. The longer you marinate it, the tastier it is. The same with soy. The longer you let it cure, the more fragrant it is. You reference the length of wicks. What's the science behind that, if you will? Basically, it's... Yes, it has to do with length, but it's really the diameter of the wick. So the larger or the thicker the wick, the larger the flame. So if you've ever seen candles that tend to tunnel or they burn, but they're just burning in the center, that means the wick is too small. So you have to make sure that in relation to the diameter of the candle jar, the wick is at a perfect diameter. So it burns evenly and cleanly and it produces uh, a healthy flame. I, have you ever seen candles that have like bulbous black giant wicks yeah. on it? That also means that the wick could be a little bit large. So you have to trim your wick between each setting. So it's like a very uh, in detailed and involved uh, profession. But for the end user, for the customer, just lighting it and it works, that's, that's, the, that's what matters. <laughs> but in order for that to happen, there's a lot of things that the candle maker has to consider. You said that that first candle took you eight months to produce. Typically, how quickly does a candle get produced now? Now, so once I develop a fragrance blend, as long as after the cure time, the candle is strong, it can take me seven days. But if the aroma isn't strong, then I have to decide, okay, do I need to increase a percentage of a particular oil to make it stronger? Do I need to manipulate the wick size? So there's a lot of experimentation. So the quickest to answer your question is seven days. The longest it's taken me to make a candle was six months because I was dedicated for this specific aroma and it took me that long to, to master it, so. What was that aroma? Fruit and almonds. My sister came from Europe and she's like, ooh, I have this lotion. It's almond and cherry and it's amazing. Make this into a candle. So it was literally me mimicking that, can uh, that lotion to make into a candle. It took, that took forever. <laughs> Talk to me more about how you come up with your fragrances. There are various inspirations. It can literally be walking in the park and it's like, ooh, I love the aromas that are happening. Or it can be for necessity. So I have a very popular candle called Firewood. And in New York City, small apartments, we don't have fireplaces. So the inspiration for that candle is like, I want a fireplace in my home. I want those smells. And so I created the Firewood candles. So again, it, it can be anything. Inspiration could or it could just be oils that I have in my stock. Like, oh, I want to see what this is like and just go from there. How many fragrances do you have in your collection now? Currently, the standard collection is 21. I usually have limited edition aromas. I actually have 
four releasing for Valentine's Day that I'm really excited about. They're going to release uh, soon. And yeah, that, that'll be awesome. So usually around each season or holiday, I'll have limited editions or collaborations. So what does Valentine's Day smell like? <laughs> well, the project that I'm working on is called Quarantine Love. And there are four aspects, self-love, uh, romantic love, companionship in the sense of pets, uh, and friendship love. And so uh, for the, view, the listeners, I guess you'll have to check my website to see what it smells like. <laughs> so you have scents that can be seasonal, but obviously those also that fit all year round. Of course, yes, absolutely. Do you have a favorite scent yourself? Well, that's always hard. So I'm releasing a new aroma that is my favorite right now. And it's called sea salt and charred orange. I'm absolutely in love with it. But every time I release a new aroma, that is my favorite until I release something else. But that new one, I, I just adore. But generally speaking, I really enjoy the firewood aroma and uh, Earl Grey, which is my bestseller. Uh, along with Earl Grey, firewood, lavender, jasmine, and honeysuckle, those are usually the ones that sell all year round. So firewood was inspired by small apartments living in New York City. Any other fragrances inspired by New York City? I have a candle called Wild Grass and I developed it by walking through Central Park with a friend who said, oh, I love the smells of my allergies are terrible. It's like, well, how about I make a candle that smells like grass, but without the allergies? <laughs> that was another New York City inspired element. Where are your candles made? So I currently make them in my studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I work out of Ridgewood, Queens in Greenpoint, but predominantly where the production is, it's in Greenpoint. Now, in addition to your website and Etsy, your candles are also sold in New York City and Salt Lake City, Utah, right? Yes, yes. That was really awesome. A stockist, which is a reseller, uh, for those who don't know, um, reached out to me through Instagram. I was interested in that store in Salt Lake City, Animalia, is really awesome. So I have, I have various stockists all around sprinkled, so I'm grateful for that. You're also a supporter of art education. Talk to me about your support of art education. Well, like I previously mentioned, growing up in a low-income environment, there aren't a lot of programs that are available for people in the lower class that are free. And so I believe that art education not only shines a brighter element to life, but allows one to delve into other parts of themselves and adds creativity um, and just a different outlook. And I think that having the option or experiencing these types of options can really hone an individual's interests in deciding what they want for their career. It doesn't have to be uh, the run of the mill jobs. You can make money in creative fields. And, and if you decide you don't want to make money in those fields, at least you can pick up new hobbies. And I think hobbies are very important for people to have a healthy lifestyle. Speaking of hobbies, have you held any virtual workshops? Are you doing anything in the digital space? I haven't done virtual workshops. I prefer to do them in person. I can definitely offer that, but I think with the hands-on um, craft for my company and the types of classes I offer, just hands-on is just better for me. Paige, earlier you said that you 
loved candles. Obviously, that's what led you into the candle making business. But what do you love about candles? I love how candles can not only transform an environment, but can literally bring you to a moment in time. Candles can be very nostalgic. Um, and I think that is the most beautiful part where it can take you back to a place that I sold before the pandemic, of course, at Chelsea Market. And I have a, to a tomato leaf and basil candle and literally a customer came up to my booth and smelled it and she started crying. I was like, oh no, is this candle really that bad? She's like, no. I used to have a tomato farm with my family and this reminded me of my dad and she was tearing and crying then I started crying and I was like oh my god but it's those moments of nostalgia especially that I think are really amazing. Yeah it's pretty incredible how a scent can really bring back a memory or take us to a place. It also it's very therapeutic so in addition to having a nostalgic moment if you're really upset and you just want to relax, you can do that with a lavender candle. Lavender essential oil is very, um, not only aromatic, but it's a form of aromatherapy. So it, it's very therapeutic. Yeah, you sort of answered my next question, which was going to be, do you have any recommendations as to when or how people should use your candles? Yeah, so of course, especially in this crazy time that we're in right now, um, lighting a candle to aid in relaxation is best. But of course, there are rules to candles. You shouldn't light your candle for more than four hours at a time. It's very important. That's when you know you have a good candle because after it's extinguished, you should still be able to smell your candle. And of course, never leave your candle on overnight or when you leave the home. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's the most important. But again, when you're working, Oils like uh, grapefruit or citrus can help energize. Peppermint also can help energize you. So lighting candles in the workplace, if you're working from home, that's what I meant by the workplace, if you're working from home or if you're just trying to relax after dinner, that's I think the best times to burn candles. How competitive of a market is the candle industry? The candle industry is a billion dollar industry. Billion dollar. <laughs> Uh, it is extremely successful. A lot of, when I first started candle making, I've received some negative reviews from the haters like, oh, you're going to do that. That doesn't sell. They do. Uh, but the market is extremely competitive, especially in New York. Um, and it's important to stand out by creating unique aromas, uh, having a unique brand and working within your community. There's riches and niches, so yeah. Amplify on that, if you will. What does that mean specifically to you working within your community? Well, anytime one starts a business, it's very important to build a sense of community around your brand. That is going to be the backbone of your business. Having people who spread your brand word of mouth, they write about your product and giving back to your community and helping your community grow will offer more success as a business. And so a lot of people think that they could just blow up online and that's that. But when you resonate with people, those are the people that will help your business grow. You are a black owned business and more specifically a black woman owned business. What does that mean to you? It's a very nuanced question. Uh, my 
so I'm biracial and I definitely recognize my privilege of being light skin. Um, although I was raised with my father who is a black man. And so I understand, especially coming from a low income environment, the struggles and I've experienced the hardships I've experienced to even form my business, especially at the time in which I formed it. Um, it it's definitely rewarding for me to be able to contribute back to my community and work with people that not only look like me, look like my family. And so to answer your question of what does that mean, um, it's, it's rewarding in ways that I can't even put into words <laughs> because there aren't a lot of businesses run by black women. And that's a shame. It, if it's just about resources and with my company I'm just trying to help make particular resources available so women of course but people of color can have a shot and succeed what are your plans for the future where do you hope to take things definitely want to expand my line but my ultimate goal is to create an art space in which people can uh, have access to art supplies and art um materials not materials excuse me our equipment to create their own forms of art so basically similar to a nonprofit, but just available for artists to give them the ability to succeed because to try to create a business and to work with equipment in new york city is really really expensive so i hope that pages candle co can be a vessel to support artists in the future well, that's a long-term goals. I'm still working on my candle company and trying to be across America, but <laughs> that's future, future goals. Now, Paige, you are being gracious enough to offer a coupon code for folks to get their hands on your candles, right? I am. So uh, Cityscape 15, it's for 15% off all products, $26 and up until March 1st. Paige, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can find more information about Paige's Candles at pageScandleCo.com. Our next guest also knows a thing or two about wax, but the creations she's about to tell us about are not meant to melt down. Brittany Williams is a senior public relations manager of Madame Tussauds U.S.-based attractions. Marie Tussauds, born Marie Groschultz, began making wax sculptures in France in the late 18th century, sculpting famous citizens of the day, like the philosopher Voltaire. But when the French Revolution started in 1789, Marie was tasked with making casts of guillotined heads, known as death masks. In 1802, she moved to London, where she opened a permanent gallery of her work in 1835. Today, there are currently 21 Madame Tussauds worldwide, including six in the U.S. in cities like Las Vegas and New York. Brittany Williams, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about Madame Tussauds. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So not everyone can build a business out of beheadings, but we're here to talk about someone who did just that. Tell us about Madame Tussauds. 
Madame Tussauds is the world's greatest wax museum. It's a museum that allows our guests to meet their favorite A-list celebrities in an immersive and authentic environment that's really true to the character of that celebrity or that person who's really made a, a difference and an impact on society. Uh, one of the really interesting things about our brand is that we have been around for more than 200 years. George, our history started more than 200 years ago, as I mentioned, with Marie Groschultz. She was a young French artist who dedicated her entire life to the creation of life-size wax figures. She actually made her first figures and put them on display all the way back in 1835 at the Bazaar on Baker Street in London. I had no idea that Madame Tussauds Wax Museum dated back over 200 years. No idea. Yes, and that's we have the most talented team of artists because as you mentioned, we've had 200 years to absolutely perfect what it is that we do. And because of that, um, you know, the, the likes of the queen have trusted us to, to do sittings with her and, and to take these measurements. In fact, we gather more than 200 different measurements on every celebrity or person that we work with to create a figure. These figures, they take three to four months to make and a team of 20 skilled artists. Wow, three to four months and a team of artists. But back in the day, Marie was doing it herself, huh? She was. Yes, she was the original. So um, we certainly had a, a lot to to learn from her. But some of the her the same ways that she created her figures are the same methods that we use today. And I can talk you through some of those methods. Please do. So. What makes Madame Tussauds really unique is that we start the entire thing with a process we call the sitting. At that sitting, we take up to 200 different measurements and um, photographs from every angle to make sure that when we do portray these celebrities or um, impactful people in our society, that their portrayal is 100% accurate. We then move on to a phase that we call sculpting. And this is all done with our team um, called Merlin Magic Making. This is the creative arm of Merlin Entertainments, which is our parent company. During that sculpting process, they use a metal armature. It's constructed to support that clay mold, which is then built up using meticulous detail. The head is worked on separately and can take four to six weeks to sculpt to achieve that exact likeness of a famous face. At which point we then move on to molding, which you have a plaster cast that's created from the clay sculpture. And then the melted wax is slowly pour, pour, poured into that mold to make sure we avoid any air bubbles. And after 50 minutes, the excess liquid is removed to leave a hollow head in which the eyes and teeth are inserted. The body of each and every figure is molded in the same way, but then we make them into, um, some of them are then made into fiberglass instead of wax for durability because at Madame Tussauds, we don't have any ropes to hold our guests back. We like them to really get in there and um, interact with our figures. Of course, we do have some extra safety precautions now because of COVID, but eventually we will get back to the place where we are encouraging people to touch and really interact with those figures. Yeah, I would imagine you are very popular on Instagram with photos. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many selfies have been taken, but it, it does really allow people to have these impossible moments that they wouldn't have otherwise. And because celebrities are so heavily involved with our brand and the process, you really do have that true feeling as if you have met the celebrity and that you're having a special one-on-one -on -one moment with them. Who are among the most popular wax figures? Lady Gaga is a huge one. Um, I believe we have seven of her figures. So where is the magic made, if you will? Do you have one manufacturing plant that is putting these out? 
Our artists are located in London. Merlin Magic Making, I'm sorry, is the name of the division that creates these figures. And they have a, a huge team of just incredibly talented artists that work out of London. And then they uh, ship the figures over to the United States and globally to our other Madame Tussauds attractions when they're complete. Talk to me a little bit more about how the Madame Tussauds around the country are different. What about New York City? New York City is very unique because it has, um, like all of our attractions, have a local vibe. We, we say it has a New York City-centric type of vibe to it. Um, there's a lot of figures there that are um, kind of local types of figures. You know, you'll go and you'll meet the likes of Al Roker or some of the uh, New York sports heroes. Um, what's also really neat and very New York centric and kind of appropriate for the holiday season is, is we have a rocket and we even have special events generally during the holidays um, where you can welcome in the new year. I would bet, you know, of course, I don't know, but I would bet that we can expect perhaps sometime in the near future an Anthony Fauci. I can't say he's on the list yet, but that's not a bad idea. And then we also have uh, Joe Biden is on the list to be made in 2021. All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for your time. And the website is for people who want to check it out. It's just madamtussauds.com. You can find out more about Madame Tussauds New York at madamtussauds.com slash New York. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to Cityscape on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to Cityscape on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WFUV Cityscape to stay up to date between episodes. Thanks so much for listening.